The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Public Goods the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from coffee to toilet paper and shampoo to pet food, Public Goods is your new everything store, thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. Public Goods searches the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly, and innovative products. And let's talk about a few of them. How about their gentle liquid hand soap with a blend of essential oils that are hardworking on dirt, but gentle on skin. Who doesn't want clean hands that smell like grapefruit and mandarin? Or how about a healthier MSG-free take on classic instant ramen that's still ready in minutes? That's on public goods. Or what about a delicious all-natural chocolate chip cookie baked in Savannah, Georgia with no artificial flavors or colors? They have that too. They ethically source and obsessively develop each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives still common on drug and grocery store shelves. They are committed to making their products healthy and safe for humans, animals, and the environment. They plant one tree for every order placed and incorporate sustainability into every part of the company. Join hundreds of thousands of others who have switched to public goods as their new everything store. We worked out an awesome deal just for, with friends like these listeners, receive $15, that's $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They are so confident you will love their products and come back again and again. They are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. Plus, right now, receive your choice of either a free pack of bamboo straws or reusable food storage wraps with your order. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com slash friends or use code friends at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash friends to receive $15 off your first order. Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox. Welcome to With Friends Like These. I smell smoke. I had a dream. It was May 29. Picture the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in 1921, along the main drag. There's a clothing store and a barber shop, restaurants, two movie theaters and the storefronts of doctors, lawyers, and a newspaper. Though everyone is welcome in the jazz clubs and at the soda fountain, and welcome everywhere, it's a predominantly Black community. Black people own the businesses, they own the land, they're the employers, and the entrepreneurs. It's bustling and lively. Until the events of May 31st and June 1st. Over 24 hours, a white mob raged. 300 people lost their lives. Businesses and homes were burned to the ground. This month, 
marks the 100th anniversary of what's become known as the Tulsa Race Massacre. You may know that history, and that's great, because for a long time, no one was telling that story. But it's still not the whole story. The full story of Greenwood continues after the massacre. And it's the story of resurrection, success, and, unfortunately, a second sacking of Greenwood by white people. But then, perhaps, a second resurrection. We're going to get into all of that with our guest, Carlos Moreno. His new book, The Victory of Greenwood, is about the full story of this incredible community, the good and the bad, how they rebuilt themselves, and how Greenwood benefited from the impression of indigenous people. We'll hop in a time machine with Moreno and go all the way back to 1920s Oklahoma and through some other decades. And then we'll end looking at the future at what the possibilities for Greenwood are, not just today, but tomorrow. Coming right up. Carlos, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I can't wait to hear about this, the history of Greenwood. I, I feel like we hear so much about the tragedy that happened, but not much around that. And the first thing I'd love to hear from you is if you could take us, if we had a time machine and like landed in the middle of Greenwood in its heyday, is set down in whatever the main street, whatever the, the major corner is, that intersection, what would we see? Yeah. So, um, so what we would do is we would take our time machine to the intersection of Archer Street and Greenwood Avenue. Um, and right on that intersection in 1920, 1921, um, the, the first important thing to know is that you're right on the railroad tracks. Um, and back during this time, if, you were, if your business was along the railroad tracks, you did very, very well because you had people traveling um, from all over the country into your neighborhood to do business. Um, right on the corner, um, on, uh, the West end of, uh, Archer and Greenwood, you would see Lula Williams confectionery, her candy store, um, fully stocked soda fountain with ice cream and candies and treats and, um, all these different kinds of, um, goodies, <laughs> <laughs> right on the corner there. Um, and uh, the family lived on the second floor. They rented out office space on the third floor. Across the street, you would see um, the offices of the Tulsa Star, um, uh, one of Oklahoma's oldest uh, black newspapers and the first um, daily black newspaper in the country, uh, published by A.J. Smitherman. Um, going further, walking, just strolling along further up the street, you would see hat makers um, and and shoemakers and dressmakers and tailors. Um, and you would see um, restaurants and just anything and everything you could possibly want. Um, so it's, it's a hopping area. It's a, like, it's it's a like hopping a area. There area. were There were jazz clubs. There was music outside. There were children playing in the streets. Um, the school was just a few blocks up, the uh, Booker T. Washington High School. 
Um, so you'd have um, all walks of life from um, wealthy to working class to everything in between. Um, it, it was just a I, really I was bustling ask, like, who neighborhood. Who would we see walking down the streets? Yeah. Like, who would, who, who'd be walking down the streets? And that's one of the more incredible things, too, is you would see the most wealthy of Greenwood's elite, like um, J.B. Stratford and um, Dr. Uh, A.C. Jackson, um, to to the maids and butlers and delivery boys and um, um, just, again, all of the sort of working class of Greenwood uh, and, and, you know, everyone kind of mixing and mingling with each other. Um, which is which is really great to see. It, it sounds like there was a lot of entertainment options, a lot of like leisure, really. Absolutely. So Thursday, if if we landed our time machine on Thursday night, um, everyone would be dressed in their finest. Uh, all the jazz clubs would be packed. Um, there would be singing and dancing. One of the um, things that I loved l- learning about Greenwood um, is that it welcomed everyone. So it didn't matter if you were black, white, Asian, Hispanic, didn't matter who you were. You were welcome into these jazz clubs. You can sing and dance with everyone else. Um, (laughs) And so it was just a a fun, um, happy time Thursday nights. So I I don't want to take the time machine again, but I do want to get some background here because I imagine there were conditions that created the possibility of Greenwood. And I know that Greenwood actually wasn't as rare as as maybe some people might think in terms of a prosperous Black community, but I'm curious about what were the conditions around it, like like what helped create this prosperous community. Yeah, there there were there were a couple of conditions that that created Greenwood, um, and and you're right, um, Greenwood was certainly not unique. Um, there were about fifty all black towns in um, the eastern half of what would eventually become the state of Oklahoma um, in Indian territory, which was set aside um, as land that would be owned in common by the five tribes. Um, the Seminole, Creek, Choctaw, Chickasaw, um, and Cherokee nations. Um and when those when those tribes were relocated Indian into Indian territory, um, they brought their enslaved peoples with them. After Reconstruction, um, black freedmen um, owned a full third of the. We're talking about more than a million acres um, of that land, and and so um, what what would happen after that? was the Indian Allotment Act, which broke up that land from being owned in common by the tribes to families having individual land allotments. And it's these land allotments um, and the mineral rights, the oil rights that came with these land allotments. Um, Oil was discovered in Oklahoma in 1901. um, And and oil continues to be discovered throughout the state of Oklahoma during the 1900s, during the 19-teens. So you have, a, you have this great um, increase in land wealth and oil wealth. Um, and this is what creates the wealth of Greenwood. Um, a, a way of thinking about it would be that Greenwood was built by oil and land wealth. Um, and that's that's how Greenwood was able to be 
built. So you would you would spend your money in Greenwood, but the mm. wealth that created Greenwood came from outside of that community. It came from all of the families who owned um, land and oil wealth uh, during during that time. So the the Allotment Act benefited the freedmen, but but it came at a cost too. Just tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, you know, I think a, a great um, author, and and she wrote several books, um, is Angie Debo, um, who w- one of her books uh, is um, And Still the Waters Run. Um, she really does talk about this, um, what, what the tribes lost in the creation of not only the Allotment Act, but the creation of the state of Oklahoma itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just how harmful it was um, to the tribes. One thing that I, that I uh, found when I was looking up a little about this, though, is uh, there was kind of a migration to Oklahoma because of this ownership of land by formerly enslaved people, which word must have traveled, right? Like we know about the great migration from the South to, to Chicago, but there were also people who heard about this opportunity in Oklahoma. Right? Yeah. And one of the really big advocates uh, for Oklahoma uh, was a gentleman by the name of Edward McCabe, um, who really traveled across the country, encouraging people to move to Oklahoma. Um, there would be flyers all over the country um, telling people in, in um, big cities all over the U.S., um, that Oklahoma needs entrepreneurs, black entrepreneurs, that Oklahoma needs black teachers, that Oklahoma needs black settlers um, to come in and build their businesses. So there are a lot of these ads and flyers that sort of advertise Oklahoma as the quote unquote promised land um, for black people to come in and, and really build something that they would own, build something that they um, could uh could create wealth off of. Um, and so it, it, for a while, it is this sort of um, promised land of being able to, you know, J.B. Stratford builds, you know, the largest um, and most expensive black hotel in the country. Um, again, you know, the Tulsa Star becomes the first uh, daily black newspaper in the country. So there's all of these sort of firsts that come out of, um that come out of Greenwood, that come out of this area. Um, and, and in towns like Bully and, and, and in cities like Muskogee, where, where uh, you have a lot of Black wealth and prominence and Black excellence. And again, I don't want to dwell too much on the massacre itself, but I, I have to say, uh, in this country, when Black people gain a lot of wealth and some power, that gets noticed, I understand, by the existing power structure. And I think that does lead us into the conditions for the massacre, right? There's um, quite a bit of evidence that is very recent. Um, The Tulsa Chamber of Commerce released all of their meeting minutes from 1921. um, And this was just last year. Um, Court case files that uh, had thought to have been lost forever. Um, have recently been discovered. And so a new picture is emerging um, for the reasons behind the massacre. And it really is this sort of greed for land, Mm -hmm. greed for this wealth. Um, You know, people throw around the word jealousy quite a bit. 
that, you know, quote unquote, white um, business uh, owners or, or the white community in Tulsa was, quote unquote, jealous you know, of Greenwood. And, and I don't, I don't know that that's exactly the right word I would use. I think greed is a much more, um, appropriate word to use. Um, knowing this new evidence and knowing that the intent for the attack on Greenwood was to take the land again. Um, you don't remember what I said at the beginning, the, the land near the railroad tracks was the most prosperous land that you could have. Um, being along the railroad tracks is like being on the internet. You know, if you were there, you did very, very good business. If you weren't there, you probably didn't do as well. Um, and so, um, having this community right on the railroad tracks is something that, um, on the, on the Western end of downtown, all of those business owners wanted all of downtown. They wanted to basically double the amount of wealth and commerce that they could have um, by having that land and moving the black community further to the north, away from the railroad tracks and away from the from this kind of bustling downtown area. So the massacre was somewhat opportunistic, let's say, right? Absolutely. Like it, it, there's evidence for uh, some truth to the to the story. The cover story. I won't call it a cover story. Maybe sure. it's a just a narrative, the master narrative. Mm-hmm. But then once it happens, there is this existing, I would say, covetousness, you know, that propels the tragedy. Mm-hmm. But let's zoom past that. Right. Let's land our time machine. I don't know, maybe at the same intersection, like uh, a year later, two years later. What would be a good time to land? Uh, I think a great time to land would be September 14th, 1922. Um, so just a little more than a year later. Um, and what you see on that day is a newspaper article coming from the Black Dispatch in Oklahoma City announcing the reopening of the Williams Dreamland Theater. Uh, Lulu Williams theater she of the of the confectionery store exactly um and the article mentions that she reopened that building um as well and and we can still see that building today on the corner of greenwood and archer um and it still has her name on it um and it says 1922 very proudly at the top of it so um that is something that visitors to greenwood can still see today which i think is wonderful um, and it really speaks to, I mean, the word resiliency is thrown around a lot. I, I like to use the word resistance um, because Tulsa really did all it could to stop the community of Greenwood from rebuilding. Um, and yet Greenwood did rebuild. Um, the business district rebuilt. Um, the Red Cross reported in December 31st of 1921 that of the 1,256 homes that were burned, 764 were in some stage of rebuilding and repair. Um, so you see a, a Greenwood community that has sort of everything taken away from it, every law and ordinance that the city could possibly pass to prevent them from rebuilding. Um, B.C. Franklin sued the city, sued the mayor, um, sued essentially the entire power structure of Tulsa and won. 
Um, and so you see a Greenwood community that um, is very, uh, um, that won't back down, a Greenwood community that won't back away, that won't let this event and this tragedy define who they could become and define um, their dreams and ambitions. They, they didn't, they refused to sell their land. They refused to give up their land. They refused to, to give up their community. Instead, they, they work very, very hard to rebuild it very quickly. Um, and one of the more amazing things is we can actually see film footage from uh, 1924 to 1928 that was shot by <laughs> Reverend um, Solomon Sir Jones. And um, many people, and, and they can be forgiven for thinking that this footage is from before the massacre, um, mm. but it isn't. Uh, it's shot on 16 millimeter and 16 millimeter film stock wasn't invented until 1924. And does it, it looks pretty much the same. Is it the same bustling community? Is it the same inclusive community? We find that uh, there are um, white employees of black businesses we find uh, we find the Zero family, a very prominent uh, oil family, um, has a grocery store in Greenwood. So a Russian Jewish immigrant family um, establishes a grocery store in Greenwood. Um, there's an Asian store that we found in in the directories. We found um, a Latino grocery store. The Villarreal family had a had a store in Greenwood. So. Um, Quite a bit more diverse, I think, than than most people would re- realize. We are, of course, talking about capitalism here. So let's take a break to remind you that it still exists and hear from those who support this podcast. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Credit Karma. Starting something new can be nerve-wracking. Wouldn't you like to know beforehand whether it was going to work out or not? Credit Karma can give you more confidence before you make a decision. Credit Karma's game-changing technology shows you tailored offers for credit cards and personal loans that you're more likely to be approved for so you can apply with more confidence. They use your credit and other financial information to show you custom recommendations. Whether you want cash back, travel rewards, or to consolidate debt, Credit Karma can help you find the offers that fit your goals. With a selection of options and approved odds, you have the power to make informed decisions. Credit Karma. Apply with confidence. Go to creditkarma.com slash podcast to learn more and find offers tailored just for you. That's creditkarma.com slash podcast. You can see your offers on the Credit Karma app as well. Apply with confidence today. Go to creditkarma.com slash podcast or the Credit Karma app. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Allbirds. Allbirds tree runners are made from sustainable, natural materials that feel light on your feet and are better for the planet. The tree runners are breathable, machine washable, and made with responsibly sourced eucalyptus tree fiber with a simple and versatile design, making the tree runner a perfect go-to shoe for any outfit. The tree runner is carbon neutral thanks to sustainable practices like using natural materials and purchasing carbon offsets. Allbirds has been dedicated to reducing environmental impact since day one. From operations to production, they treat the planet like a key stakeholder in the company. And honestly, the best thing about my tree runners is that they look sharp when I'm not running. I've developed this terrible habit of going straight from my run to the grocery store, mostly because I just don't stop sweating for an hour, so I might as well wear my clothes for a while. But the tree runners make me feel like I sort of got dressed. And of course, they're still as comfortable. Keep things light and breezy with the Allbirds Tree Runner. Discover your perfect pair at allbirds.com today. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com. 
The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. If anyone know... um the term shade normally is like throwing shade and things like that. And, and when you're speaking to one, one another, sometimes in a bad way, sometimes in a good way. But since my the name of my business is called La Shade, I like to throw shade, which sell my products to everyone. I want everyone to get shaded. We, and we have to protect our eyes from the sun, so why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so in particular, um, you know, what made you want to come out and be part of the Legacy Festival? Oh, absolutely. I, I believe it's definitely a legacy. Um, for one, I also have t-shirts too that it's almost like a reminder to it's called Buy Black. And it's specifically for, um, in 1921, they had absolutely no means to build everything that they had brick by brick. Um, and in here in 2021, 100 years later, we have all the resources and everything else that we have here. Why can't we do that again and rebuild these legacies and continue on for 100 more years? That's our producer, Allison Herrera, talking to Alexis Teal, owner of Le Shade Sunglasses Company, a Tulsa Black-owned business. Alexis set up shop outdoors during the Black Wall Street Legacy Festival, one of the events marking the anniversary of the massacre. Teal is one of the Black business owners that Carlos is counting on to help create a future for Greenwood that looks more like its prosperous past. Now, back to our conversation with Carlos Moreno about his book, The Victory of Greenwood. So unfortunately, nothing this good can last forever. Uh, and. Other stuff happens in Greenwood that is not the one or two day um, uh, violence that happened uh, in in the massacre, but things do change in Greenwood. Uh, Slower rolling um, manipulation by the existing power structure, probably. Yeah. So if we then take our time machine to the 60s and set it down. Right. What do we see? Yeah. Yeah. So we're looking at this film footage uh, shot by Reverend uh, Harold Mose Anderson. Um, A parade, a Booker T. Washington High School parade down Greenwood. Um, President, uh, not president, but but um, uh, politician, uh, young politician, Richard Nixon, um, (laughs) campaigning in Greenwood. Businesses, uh, um, families, uh, life on the street, activity. Um, again, this sort of very diverse, um, uh, bustling, thriving community in in the early 50s. Um, Tulsa draws up a comprehensive plan in 1957 to build a series of highways uh, around the downtown area two of which are, are designed to be, to be built through the Greenwood um, District. Uh, Highway 244, 
through through the sort of southern end of the business district. Um, and then Highway uh, 75 um, going along Lansing Avenue. So you have these you have these two highways that are designed to be built um, through the Greenwood District. Um, and Tulsa doesn't have the money in 1957 to do this. They have to they have to wait until the passage of the Federal Highway Act. Uh, like you said, in the in the 1960s, there's two Federal Highway Acts: one that gets passed in 65, the other in 68. Um, and Tulsa uses this federal money to subsidize the building of these highways, and um, which again is not not unique. Um, you know, the uh, Federal Highway Program builds many, many highways through um, Black and immigrant communities throughout the U.S. And do you want to just explain, like, the structural racism of that a little bit? Like, why that is such a um, destructive move? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, a couple of things. Um, The first is you're creating a physical barrier between black and white um, communities. Um, And it is absolutely apparent um, in Tulsa. When when we in Tulsa say North Tulsa, um, it is synonymous with saying black Tulsa. When Mm -hmm. we say South Tulsa um, in this city, it is synonymous with saying white Tulsa. Um, I can tell you that I've traveled to dozens upon dozens of cities um, and Tulsa is probably the most segregated city I've ever seen mm. in my life. Um, but again, this isn't a unique story. It happens in every city. Um, the other, the other thing that, that, um, happens that is part of this sort of structural racism, um, is that now you've taken this land and it is owned by the Department of Transportation, and is no longer owned by the community. So while Greenwood was able to rebuild after the massacre in 1921, um, it wasn't able to rebuild after urban renewal that was completed in 1971 um, because the land was taken away from them. You know, so so in in a in a sense, what couldn't be completed in 21 was. Um, was completed in 71. The the business community that had been Greenwood um, was bulldozed um, to build a highway and the black community moves further to the north, um, no longer able to own the land that they once did. And so what does Greenwood start to look like then? Um, A very very, um, bleak place. Um, photographer Don Thompson, um, during this time, uh, takes a lot of photographs of Greenwood of the late sixties, early seventies. And you see, um, a lot of businesses, uh, shuttered, closed down a lot of business, uh, blocks, um, entire areas of Greenwood, um, just completely bulldozed, um, Mabel Little, in um, 1970, who um, whose house and businesses was were destroyed during the massacre, um, had them. She she rebuilt um, her house and her business, and and they were bulldozed um, to build a highway. So mm. um, 
She was quoted in the Tulsa Tribune in 1970 saying, you know, what you're doing to us now, referring to urban renewal, is worse than you did um, to us in the in the massacre, you know. Um, and so the, you have quite literally hundreds of families um, living in Tulsa today who have had their generational wealth taken away from them twice. Um, and uh, it's something that, that families still uh, grapple with today. Because we could take our time machine to another period where this, uh, the tools of urban renewal are used against Greenwood. You, you were talking to me earlier about the 90s, which is such recent history, it seems mm-hmm. like to me. Uh, but that was another important uh, way in which more uh, property and you know, generational wealth was stolen. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, in the late 80s, um, there was the, Tul- the, the Tulsa conceived of um, a, a public four-year um, university campus. And it would be a collaboration between um, OU, OSU, NSU, um, and Langston universities um, to build this collaborative, innovative um, campus for 20,000 students. Sounds great. It sounds great. And the plans <laughs> were amazing. And Greenwood was promised student housing and Greenwood was, was promised um, new business and, and um, a sort of rebuilding of the district, um, which, which Greenwood, you know, um, bought into for, uh, uh, a large, for the large, for the most part. Um, but OU pulls out of the deal. NSU, uh, moves to Broken Arrow. Um, and so what was supposed to be the university center at Tulsa, UCAT, um, falls apart. And the only, the only campuses that were left were Langston and OSU, um, the current enrollment for OSU is fewer than 2,000 students. So what had been intended to be this great um, four-year public university collaboration um, ends up um, being a tiny fraction of what it was supposed to be. And yet um, the land um, was taken again from Greenwood. And, and um, to this day, nothing has been done with that land that had intended to be um, more houses and more businesses and, and, and prosperity for the Greenwood area. Um, in, in recent months, uh, OSU Tulsa has agreed to um, give some of that land back. So that's, um, that's promising. Uh, I think the next positive step would be to turn that land into a public land trust and give it back to the community of Greenwood. Um, I think that would be another step in the right direction. Well, let's leave our time machine behind entirely. And and let's step into the, the Greenwood of today. And uh, what do we see now? What is Greenwood like right now? Yeah, so um, what, what had been um, about 40 blocks of a thriving area um, is uh, about a block and a half, um, which is all that is left of historic Greenwood. Um, Vernon AME, um, where the basement and part of the first floor survived, 
um, rebuilt and still exists today on the other side of Highway 244. Um, Mount Zion Church that was burned in 1921 was uh, rebuilt in the 40s. Um, and and uh, exists once again. Um, so there are there are remnants of of what had been a thriving Greenwood. Um, I think one of the more positive things that I see um, is this sort of new generation of Black entrepreneurship um, that is really starting to um, gain critical mass. Um, Nehemiah Frank just opened his new office, uh, Black Wall Street Times, a new newspaper um, that he had been uh, running for a couple of years. So now he has a physical office um, uh, on Archer Street near Greenwood um, in in what was the Greenwood district. Um, Vanita Cooper has a uh, a sneaker shop, Silhouette, (laughs) um, that is on the site of a former um, shoe shop, Greer uh, Shoes. Um, which I think is amazing. Um, and so uh, you have places like the Liquid Lounge. You have um, Fire in Little Africa, which is a wonderful music project uh, and art collective that um, uh, where artists are building and creating and, and painting and, and creating awesome music um, inside of uh, Tate Brady's mansion, Tate Brady being the uh, leader of the Ku Klux Klan back in mm. um, back in back in the day, so to speak. Um, so Felix Jones, who played for the Dallas Cowboys, bought uh, Tate Brady's mansion and is now no longer known as the Brady Mansion. Is now Skyline Mansion. Um, so yeah, this, there's a sort of taking back of um, uh, of Greenwood, even even. Um, even though the land itself is still not being given back to Greenwood, which is again, is something I hope that happens in the future. Um, you still have this sort of um, uh, really kind of up and coming generation of black entrepreneurship. Uh, people like Cheryl Lawson, Ty- Tyrants Billingsley, um, and, and just several others that are really trying to um, bring b- back um black owned businesses and, and really promoting them and making them something quite special. Unfortunately, it, it occurs to me, there's always some tension when areas start to rehabilitate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you get into gentrification issues. Absolutely. Is, is that something that is having to be, teased out or balanced. Yeah. I mean, that, that is something that Greenwood is having to fight from, from, from quite literally all sides. Mm -hmm. Um, Vast bank um, just built its new headquarters um, in what, what had been formerly Greenwood owned land. Um, There is a new um, uh, building being built by uh, WPX energy that is again on formerly, Greenwood land, the, um, the baseball stadium, one Oak field, uh, where the Tulsa drillers stay, uh, a play, uh, where the Tulsa drillers play, um, was once Greenwood. Um, and to, uh, to the South, you have, uh, um, a building that was black owned that is no longer 
that block, that entire block is no longer black owned. Um, and then to the north along uh, 36th Street, you have a lot of developers who are buying up land um, and and none of this is black owned. So it seems to me that this gentrification issue, which yes, pressing in from all sides, kind of forces us to look at reparations a little differently, maybe. What does that look like for you? Yeah, I think, you know, um, there was a report that was released in 2001 um, by the Tulsa Race Massacre Commission itself. And their first two recommendations were direct cash payments to um, victims of the massacre um, and then secondly to their descendants. Um, so I think that that absolutely needs to um, continue to be a, a part of the conversation. Um, we sort of really wrestle with that here in Tulsa, and I'm, I'm hoping that um, now that this is a national conversation, that that becomes um, that that we really start talking about that again, that we that we don't dismiss that. Um, Forbes just released a new article about um, the continual um, holding back of the Greenwood community, the, the continued attacks on the Greenwood community, everything that we've mentioned from the massacre to urban renewal to gentrification, um, the total that they came up with um, for reparations amounted to $45 billion, um, which I think is quite appropriate. If they were somehow to, to do reparations as an equal payment out of what all was lost. Absolutely. Uh, and and But what I was thinking is that direct payment doesn't even really start to, that's the start. Right. It's a start. Yeah. There could be more. There could be a lot more. I think that, um, again, this land that was recently um, pledged to be given back to the city needs to belong to the Greenwood community. We cannot allow just anyone and everyone to come in and develop Greenwood. Um, it, it can't be this sort of laissez-faire, the richest developer who gets to come in and 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 develop this land. It needs to be owned by Greenwood. Um, there's a growing movement, and um, this, again, is part of a national conversation to remove the highway um, that, that runs through um, Greenwood, um, and that's Highway 244. So I think there's a lot of local... Um, conversation around that. Um, and now that the Biden administration has a sort of um, plan, an idea um, to use federal dollars to remove highways that historically have been built through black and immigrant communities, um, that if any other, that if any city needs this, it's Tulsa. And this is the last ad break, I promise. With Friends Like These is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. 
That is why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can just enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes. Try HelloFresh's quick and easy meals, 15 to 20 minute dinners, breakfast on the go, and other easy options perfect for your busy lifestyle. HelloFresh offers over 27 recipes to choose from each week from vegetarian meals and calorie smart choices to craft burgers and extra special gourmet options. There is something for everyone to enjoy with all recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Cooking for myself is one way I take care of myself. When I'm done for the day, I usually have no energy to cook anything and I would have cheese and crackers for dinner every night, but that's not taking care of myself. Cheese and crackers every other night, maybe. But cooking for myself reminds me I'm worth it and HelloFresh makes it easy. Go to HelloFresh.com slash WithFriends12 and use code WithFriends12 for 12 free meals, including shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash WithFriends12 and use code WithFriends12 for 12 free meals, including shipping. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. That's music from the First Baptist Church in North Tulsa during a Sunday service on the eve of the centennial of the massacre. Out in front of this church, there's a plaque commemorating its survival. The white mob that burned Greenwood passed over this church because they said it looked too nice. It couldn't be a black church. So they didn't burn it down. So I lied. I'm going to bring back the time machine. Okay. Because I want us to go forward. All right, all right. You know, wipe it off, reset. <laughs> you're not going to go backwards anymore. Because you're talking about giving the land back. You're talking about what could happen. Let's talk about that. Let's let's yeah. envision it. You can pick the how many years ahead we go, but I want to hear what your vision sure. what is. Yeah. Let's pretend in our time machine um, that this land is given back to Greenwood, right. that Black businesses are allowed to build upon it. Um what you really see is a benefit for the entire city. You know, let's flip this question about reparations and and stop talking about if you win, I lose and start talking about what is the value of bringing back what was the most diverse pedestrian mixed use, mixed income, all, all of the things that the new urbanists like Chuck Marone um, and Jeff Speck and, and all those guys, you know, the utopia of new urbanism existed here in Tulsa um, in the 50s, and we completely destroyed it to build a highway. So what is the value of that? And what could we benefit as a city by bringing that back. Um, that's that's what I would like to imagine and imagine the prosperity that the entire city could have if Greenwood was allowed to um, sort of 
come back to its former glory um, in 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 the fifties. They sort of they knew how to build this dream community that that cities all over the country now want. Um, <laughs> so let's so let's ask them. You know, how do we build this again? Because um, there is a gener- generation that grew up in this pre-highway, pre-car culture Greenwood. Um, and and we just need to ask them, what was this like? And and how do we build it back again? Um, we could get some very um some very intriguing answers. And and we could all benefit. In your you know, vision, like what would you like to see when the time machine lands at yeah. that same corner? Yeah. 20 years from now. The highway is gone. Um, and instead is uh, this very um, pedestrian, diverse boulevard um, that's in its place. Um, and there are businesses, there are houses. Um, it's, a, it's a mixed-use neighborhood. It's a pedestrian neighborhood once again. Um, and once again, anything and everything you could possibly want is within walking distance. Um, from clothing stores to restaurants to entertainment, um, there, uh, I, th- I think that possibility exists. Um, we really just need the will to build it back. And, and I think we can do it. And that's it for this week's show. Our guest was Carlos Moreno, author of The Victory of Greenwood, about the joy, hope, and promise of that community in the past, in the present, and in the future. The music you heard at the top of today's show was by Fire in Little Africa, a Tulsa-based hip-hop collective that created a multimedia project dedicated to telling the story of massacre. This show is a production of Crooked Media. Our senior producer is Allison Herrera. Jordan Waller assists. Izzy Margulies is our booker. Whitney Pastrick wishes you a thoughtful Juneteenth. Take care of yourselves. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois.